0: hey guys it's lauren yates here celebrity interviewer entertainment reporter and the host of this podcast rave it up celebrity news reviews and interviews if this is the first time you're listening go check out our show's trailer on apple podcasts or spotify to learn more about us and make sure to follow us on social media to tell us what else you would like to hear from this podcast we are under rave it up tv on instagram Rave It Up show on Facebook and our website is raveituptv.com. Now today we have a chat to American actor Michael McMillan. You might remember him playing Steve from True Blood. He was also in Hot in Cleveland, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and also Beauty in the Briefcase with Hilary Duff. We talked to him about all those projects today, as well as his two podcast series. He does one called Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce Johnson, who is from Pretty Little Liars and was on our show back in 2018, as well as his own podcast he just started about a month ago called Slate Your Name. There's so much to cover today, so let's get into it now. Before we get into today's interview, we would like to give a shout out to our Patreons, Irene, Bev, and Michael. If you haven't heard of Patreon before, it is a great way to support us and keep us running and improving. You pick a membership tier that suits you and your budget per month. And in return for supporting us, we'll give you behind the scenes content and free stuff. You don't have to give much either. You can be a part of our Patreons for as little as $4 a month. Just visit patreon.com forward slash rave it up. You can even donate through PayPal if you don't trust other sites. You can do so just through our email, raveituptv at gmail.com. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact us. We appreciate anything you can do to support us. Now, let's get into this interview.
1: Three, two, one. Let's do this. Rave it up. Hey guys, it's Georgie May from Breaking Bad. It's Adam Savani from Step it's Up. Keegan Allen from Pretty Little Liars. Hi, this is Arthur Butcher. It's Cosentino, it's Rob Mill. It's Todd McKenney with Lauren Yates on Rave It Up. We're raving it up. Fun. Hashtag
0: Lauren's Rave It
1: Up. Sorry. Thank
0: you. I like that. Raving. <laughs> We're raving it up. Michael, welcome to Rave It Up. It is a pleasure to finally have you on the show. How are you going today? Oh,
1: I'm going really well today. Thanks. Is that how you ask in Australia? Say how. How you, How, going you going today?
0: Yeah.
1: How you going today? How you going? Say day, mate. Could
0: well. that be more Aussie? Oh,
1: please, <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. It's up to you. I'm well, the, I'm the, I'm the American in this situation, and uh, so however you want to address it is great with me.
0: I, I feel like it would really freak a lot of Americans out <laughs> if I started off like that, like g'day, mate, and it's like what, 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 huh? Like,
1: oh, they. Oh, so it is this way down there. Okay, <laughs> got it. So every stereotype I've ever seen about Australia Lately, is,
0: but yeah, yeah, I think it depends where you live in Australia as well, but. As you already know, your lovely podcast co-host, Bryce Johnson, has been on the show as well. And for our audience, that was back in April of 2018. Like, he needs to come the, the back on The before times.
1: <laughs> that was the, the different times we were living in.
0: Yes. Well, it's great to finally have yeah. you on too, because we did speak about you in our interview, which I'm sure you said you watched it. So I'm sure you probably I did. I did.
1: I listened <laughs> just to see if uh, he mentioned my name and he did. So if he we can you continue been. to work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, since this is your first time on the show, we'd love to actually start from the beginning of your career, if that's okay, to get okay. a good idea yeah. of how you made it to where you are today. So I did my research on you before you came on. I really dived deep. Oh, <laughs> I boy. read that you grew up in Kansas um, and moved to Michigan to attend an arts academy there.
1: How was mm-hmm. that move?
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't live in the States and I've really only been to like LA and also... The Orlando like Florida and everything. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, is Kansas like that's quite hot over there and Michigan is quite cold, right?
1: Um actually they're similar than you might think. So oh, Kansas okay. Michigan is colder and it gets more snow. Kansas is dead center in the United States. So we kind of get the worst of all weather and a little bit of the best of the good weather. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Our fall lasts maybe two weeks. Our spring is about two weeks. And then it's usually really hot and humid in the summertime, and then really uh, cold and chilly and kind of rainy and icy during the winter. And every now and then we might get a beautiful snowfall, but it, d- it tends to melt pretty quickly mm. um, or it comes in the form of a blizzard. But uh, yeah, so Michigan's further north. It's still Midwestern. So it's like north uh, east of Kansas. and. Uh, I couldn't have been more excited to go. I went to Interlochen Arts Academy to finish high school, uh, which is, you know, here, I'm sure you have an international audience, but, uh, I have a friend who's from England who, when I talk about high school, he'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I was there from, I, I went there at like 16, like 16 to 18. Yep. And then I actually did a, a postgraduate year at this school. So I kind of took a weird gap year in between interlock and college where I basically stayed at Interlochen and then had this like really wonderful artistically free year where I kind of got to do whatever I wanted to do you know, write short plays, direct some theater, co-direct some of the main stage productions there. But Interlochen is this really cool place out in the middle of the woods in Northern Michigan. Uh, It started as a music camp back in the like 1920s. And then started to add, you know, dance and performing arts and then visual arts. And then it became an academy in in the 60s. And it was small, it's still pretty small. It's grown since I've been there, but you know, I think there were about 420 students when I was there and we're like living in dorms in the middle of the woods uh, in between two lakes, Interlaken. And I basically just went there and studied classical theater with a bunch of theater nerds for three years, basically.
0: Mm, And it was the start of everything. Did you move Mm -hmm. by yourself too or did you move to Michigan because of your family?
1: No, so it was, it was like a boarding school. So it was like going to college early or a university, you know, mm-hmm. so they would, it was, my parents were back in the Midwest and I came home for the summers and during, uh, uh, holiday and stuff like that. And, um, spring break, but basically, yeah, I basically just moved out of the house a little bit earlier at like 16 instead of, you know, 19, 18 or 19, they um, sent you off. <laughs> they sent me off. Yeah. And it was just because. I actually had like a really, it's been funny, like looking back on it now in my early forties, but you know, I think like most kids, I definitely, I definitely struggled with like a bit of anxiety and depression. My, my early years of high school, um, especially my second year of high school. So when I was like 15, turning, turning 16 and I, my thing, the thing that made me happy was doing theater and i knew i wanted to act um but at the time you know this is the early mid 90s so like youtube doesn't exist uh smartphones don't exist the only way you could really act is if your school was doing a play or if you were lucky enough lucky enough like i was to have an, a couple extracurricular programs Um, There were a couple in where I grew up. The uh, music theater for young people was one of them and the Blue Valley Recreation Commission, the Blue Valley Youth Players was one of them. And it was sort of like I would I would leave school and go to a different school where all these kids from my district or my town were getting together to put on like Oklahoma or Bye Bye Birdie. Roger, you know, like the real classics of American musical theater. And that was sort of the only way, the only outlet I had. So I had to you know, I I liked to sing, uh, did wasn't very good at dancing, but I had to learn a little bit how to dance. So it kind of like that's where I found my people, you know, and I really was happy mm-hmm. there. And it just came to a point where I was like, I know I want to act, I know this is what I want to do. I'm not having a good time at uh my the high school I was at. Um so i had talked to my parents about it and they agreed to let me apply for interlock and i known a friend of mine who had done the the summer program and i was sort of planning to do the summer camp and then um it just dawned on us like why not apply to the school and you know i was lucky enough uh and privileged enough that i got to i got to go you know Mm -hmm. with the help of a scholarship but i got to go and it kind of really set me on the path that I'm currently still on. It's wild.
0: So it sounds like you were always really driven. Like you, that was always the plan A. There was never any plan B. There was no other careers that you wanted to pursue. Well, there
1: well? were things. There were things that I enjoyed, and I've I've worked some of that other stuff into my career. Like my my other two. Pat, I love to draw, and I love to write. Um, mm-hmm. The thing I did really enjoy at the high school I was at um before interlocking was i was on the school newspaper oh cool and i loved it and so i really kind of learned how to write write from a journalistic standpoint there had an awesome teacher uh mr mccrossan who was great and i also was the cartoonist for the paper so i was writing comics and writing articles for that and i loved it i learned like layout and graphic design i was doing like I would go out and sell advertisements and then, you know, like for local businesses. And then I would design the ads and did a lot of those competitions, like one a few like cartooning competitions and and ad design stuff. And I, I really did love that. And there was a part of me that thought, well, I might go into journalism because I, I do enjoy this. Or I might become a comic book artist because I was a big comic book guy. Um, and and I sort of went, no, this is really where my. This is kind of my happiness though is really I think the thing that separated it was how social theater was yes. you know and that you re- it was so collaborative and not that journalism isn't it absolutely is. Uh, but I I liked being around other people and I liked all of that you know like the social aspect that came with theater. but all that other stuff never truly left either you know I still write, um, I wrote I wrote I've written some comic books in my career and I still I can, I can apply that artistic sensibility to scripting comics. And, um, you know, I'm still like using basic layout things that I learned in uh, newspaper when I'm like putting together graphics for Bigfoot Collectors Club or my new podcast, Slate Your Name, on Instagram and stuff like that. So it's weird how all of those things kind of come come back to you, even if that's not the career that that you're pursuing.
0: Plus it's kind of all under the same umbrella too. Like you're writing, you can yeah. write you know, for screen and things like that. And I'm gonna bring up the comic books a little later on too because I've got some cool questions about that. Have you always wanted to learn how to dance? Always say you're going to do it, maybe even make it a new year's resolution? But never do. Well, this is your time! Hills Latin Dancing teaches salsa, bachata, and merengue classes for all ages and fitness levels. No partner or previous dance experience is required. If you don't live in Sydney, that is okay too. We teach private lessons over Zoom for only $50. We also offer wedding dances and also a seated dance class for the elderly and those with mobility challenges. Come join us for some fun. Visit our website hillslatindancing.com.au for more information and to book your class now. Did you know we filmed this interview? Well, come on over to our YouTube channel, Rave It Up TV. You can subscribe for free. And here's a little secret. We like to reward our active subscribers with autographed photos and merchandise, no matter where you are in the world. So don't forget to give us a thumbs up while you're there and get busy sharing the videos with your friends. You also graduated from Carnegie Mellon as well, School of Drama. That is such a prestigious school, something, you know, a place that everybody knows about. Was that, you know... Uh, high, did they have high expectations for that? You know, was that a bit nerve wracking for you?
1: It was, you know, it's funny. So part of the way I ended up doing like this postgraduate year at Interlochen was my senior year. So when I was 18, the year that we were all auditioning for colleges, I was so in the moment and really wrapped up with the work that we were doing at Interlochen that I, it's not that I didn't take the college application process super seriously, but I, it, looking back, it wasn't as much of a priority as I I should have made it. Hmm. And I felt like, I'm going to get in somewhere. I was kind of, I took it for granted. I got a little cocky, you know, and, uh, I applied to four schools that year, Juilliard, um, USC which I really wanted to go to at the time I was kicking around the idea of going to school for filmmaking for being a director as well and so I applied to the USC film school and the uh, theater program and basically and then there were, I can't remember what the third one was and then uh oh uh maybe NCSA I'm not sure. And then uh, SUNY Purchase, which I, I did on a whim. I was at the auditions with a friend and I, I was. So I ended up getting into SUNY Purchase, which was my bottom pick. No offense, SUNY Purchase. That's in New York. Um, but I I kind of had a freak out, honestly. Like, I remember the day that in this, I, I remember it was like a summer afternoon And I'd been waiting tables that summer and teaching children's theater and the packet, like the welcome packet came for SUNY purchase. And it was like, all right, this is like when, you know, tuition time is happening. This is like uh, pick a dorm, pick where you want to live. And I just remember getting that packet in the mail and being like, I don't want to go here. This isn't what I want to do, you know, and. That was a difficult conversation to have with my parents, but ultimately we decided, look, let me go back to Interlochen. I know what that will be like. If I went to purchase, I would be reapplying for a BFA program anyway, and probably starting over. I'm not saying this, I'm not giving advice to anybody to do this, but I I ended up, yeah, it's just my story. You know what I mean? And everybody's is different. And I ended up going back to interlock and then making college a priority that year, you know? So instead of having four monologues in my back pocket, I had like 10, wow. you know, and I took an independent study with my instructor, David Montee, and we just made it a point to be like, let's, let's get you good and ready for these college auditions. And I think I really needed to get in that mind frame. And I had not been in that my senior year of high school. And also which I didn't realize at the time. I was I was also sick with mononucleosis at the time. So when I was doing all my college auditions and I think my energy was just bad and I didn't realize, I just thought I was really tired. And then it was like a week later, my f- entire face swelled up and I was sick for a month. Wow. Um. But yeah, so that, and, and so that was the year that I went because I had friends who went, I applied to Carnegie and I hadn't applied to Carnegie the year before. And I think it was just timing wise, it was right. It, it kind of happened- um you know in some ways I think I'm a little bit of a late bloomer uh and so I it just kind of happened the way it needed to I guess and then once I was there you know it all it all felt good I felt like I was in rhythm and I was like yes this is where I'm supposed to go to school this is this feels right um yeah so that's the feeling yeah yeah it's hard it's hard I think when especially when, you know, I was a kid who felt like, oh, I'm good. I'm good at this. I'm good at acting, you know, even at Interlock, and I was getting like lead roles really early on and not, not every time, but um, it's hard when a setback comes along where you're like, oh, huh, wait a minute. I didn't get into the colleges. I wanted to get into like, this doesn't usually happen. <laughs> yeah. How could they not? You know? So I think like, I'm glad I had that moment at a young age because once you get out to LA, you know, that rejection is coming on almost daily basis, you know? So it was good for me to have a little bit of a setback and a little bit of a, um, okay, how, okay, this isn't what I, what I planned. How can I turn this into something that's productive? And again, I was lucky uh that my family was able to send me there um for an extra year, you know, my poor father and mother, but, but, uh, yeah shout, just, it, it, <laughs> yeah, shout out to mom and dad. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, I don't know. I, I've lost my train of thought, I think. That's but... okay.
0: I'll continue on. <laughs> and is it true that you got signed by an agent like after a senior class showcase? Do you really think it's about yeah. being at the right place at the right time and obviously having some that... preparation in there too?
1: Well, that's another thing that I think that year... That post interlocking taught me, which was like, do not take these auditions for granted. So at the end of Carnegie Mellon, you spend the last basically like six months of school studying the business. And at the time, it was like you're gonna go to New York or you're gonna go to LA. Atlanta wasn't a real big scene. Chicago, Chicago definitely was like an option. Um and I had assumed, like most of my friends, I would go to New York and start per- pursuing theater stuff first and then eventually make my way to Los Angeles. But but I always wanted to go to L.A., even before And I was like, L.A., I, I didn't really have I'd love to do a Broadway play. I love live theater, but I was always thinking film and television. Mm. And and so at the end of the senior year, you put on a showcase for industry reps and casting directors. And there was this thing that happened where I very quickly was like, okay, I'm not, cause sometimes at Carnegie, they kind of want to show off the prestige of classical theater. And they're like, you should do a Shakespeare piece or you should do this, this you know, something from Pygmalion. And I'm like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to write my own stuff. I wrote, I wrote a co-wrote a sketch with a friend, and you. then I adapted a monologue from a book that I really liked that was popular at the time, A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius by Dave Eggers. And there's a chapter in there where he's talking about auditioning for and pitching himself in the first person as a cast member on The Real World, one of the early seasons uh, in San Francisco. And so I took that piece from that book and modified it, adapted, and modified it. So I, when I came out for my monologue at, at the showcase, I was speaking directly to casting agents and, and talent agents and being like, look, I'm the guy from the Midwest. I can do this. I can play this, blah, 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 blah. And I would literally hand out my headshots. And it was a bit that really worked. And I think it was sort of a thing that like, you know, it got laughs and it got me a ton of meetings. And out of that process, I ended up getting an agent and uh, I'm still with the same agency. And I got, you know, they've started sending me out for TV guest stars right away. And I suddenly went, well, why would I go to New York where, and I had opportunities in New York as well, but I was like, I could go to new york where the rent is more expensive this is in 2002 things have changed here in la but i was like i could go to new york and then like get get a job bartending or waiting tables and then maybe get an off-broadway play that won't pay any bills or i could go to la where i've Already got auditions lined up for me, get one of these guest stars and be able to pay my my rent for two months. You know what I mean? So I was like, this seems more seems like there's a little bit more momentum over here. Uh let me let me go to LA and try it out. And so that's that's what happened. And you've stayed. Um <laughs> and I stayed, yeah, yeah. And start, you know, started working in TV really. I got lucky. I booked like three guest stars in the first month I was out out here, and that really started started uh, the momentum going for me out here. Hey guys, it's RJ May from Breaking Bad. It's Adam Savani from Step Up. Bryce Johnson from Pretty Little Liars. It's Rob Mills. Todd McKenny with Lauren Yates on Rave It Up.
0: These celebrities are sharing a message of hope and inspiring the younger generation in our new book, Knowing What I Know Now. This is filled with 70 quotes from your favorite celebrities on what they would tell their 14-year-old selves a book filled with amazing advice to help you chase your dreams or help you deal with bullying or depression. It is available worldwide as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook version. Go to raveituptv.com to buy your copy now. Looking for the most comfortable and fashionable gym clothes around? Introducing Gym XO. They are an eco-friendly brand from the UK. Gym wear made from recycled materials. Pick from some really cute gym sets, tops, bottoms, and there are even options for curvy women. Get 30% off today with free shipping by using our discount code, RAVEITUP30, at checkout. Go to gymxo.co.uk today. That is gymexo.co.uk. Well, you've definitely been in a lot of popular shows too. Like when, when you look at your IMDb page, I'm like, wow, NCIS, CSI, Shameless, Hawaii Five-O, Hot in Cleveland, The Mentalist, Scrubs. Yeah. Firefly, guys, going back in time there. Eight super rules, I love that
1: show, too. Firefly was my very first job. I had one line in Firefly. And shooting, before Zoom, it was a thing where I was a character that was being brought up on a video screen directly. I mean, doing what we're doing now, um, playing, I think my character's name was Young Hopeful. He was like a a John, hoping that the, you know, the, like, uh, space courtesan would pick him uh, as, as her client. Uh, and that was like one line, shot it on the Fox lot. Josh Whedon was directing it. And I, just, I was just like, oh, this is so strange. I've been out here for two weeks and I'm suddenly on Firefly. an actual like movie lot. Yeah. And Firefly hadn't even aired yet. You know what I mean? So it was before it aired. And I was just like, I don't even know what this is. Oh, okay. um, met, Boom. Yeah. Met, yeah. 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 Exactly. So it was, um, that was really cool. That was that, that was the very first job I did out here.
0: So do you prefer having a lot of cameos under your belt? Do you find that actually helps you get other roles?
1: It can work, work begets work. Um, there's definitely been, sh- it's. there's definitely been times when I've like worked on a show. I'm trying to think of a specific example. Um, well, actually Firefly was one, right? So I, not too long after that, auditioned for a, a larger role, a guest star in Angel. And actually got the offer, I think, because they all remembered me from. They're like, "Oh, it's a guy from Firefly." And then someone came along. I think it might have been the network. And things were different back then. That they they were like, "No, no, no, we can't." Ha- he was just in Firefly. We can't have him in another Whedon show right away which doesn't make sense to today mm. but for whatever reason that got shut shot down and i ended up not doing that guest star but I, it's definitely like uh, you know you work with people they remember you you do an okay job you'll you'll do other other stuff with them down the line mm. um and it
0: looks like you know on your resume that you've just done freaking everything
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know in as far as like the size of the role like a cameo thing for me that Just, you know, getting one line on Firefly on a network show was huge. It was a, you know, it was a a co-star. And so you're like, all right, I want to get a co-star. And then I want to get a guest star. And then I want to get a recurring. And then Mm -hmm. hopefully a series regular role, you know. So you're kind of like trying to work your way up the the acting ranks as you're going along as well.
0: Yeah. Do you think Firefly was your favorite cameo or maybe even hot in Cleveland? You got to actually- Well- Be alongside Betty White, may she rest in
1: peace. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely definitely more to do in Hot in Cleveland. You know, I played a character who came back, so that was like a recurring role. And and as far as guest stars go, that was an awesome job. Obviously, getting to work with Betty White was amazing. Uh, But Wendy Malick and Valerie Burton, Jane Leaves, like every time I came to set there, there was somebody from television history that was working as well you know i met regis philbin on that set craig ferguson george takei uh takei um and i'm like heather locklear was on an episode i was in angela kingsley from the office so it was like this revolving door and you would just watch dave foley who i was a huge fan of growing up from kids in the hall and news radio so every time i went there was like a real like pedigree veteran television actor on the show. And I, it was just, it blew my mind, you know? And I learned so much just from watching people work on that set.
0: That's good. And not to mention like like Sean.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And Sean Hayes produced it, uh, with his business partner, his producing partner, Todd Milliner. So like Sean Hayes would be around. And it's like, uh, Jack from Will and Grace is here. And, you know, So you're just like you you were and a lot of the TV writers were like veteran comedy writers from like Golden Girls, I think, and like uh, uh, Frasier. So you just had all these people. So you were surrounded by so much experience and it was just awesome, you know, to be part of that part of that crew. It was like it was like sitcom theater camp, you know, or sitcom summer camp.
0: Just cut. Just surrounded by all these legends. Oh yeah, I hope yeah. you just poked up up every second.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people probably watching today also do remember you playing Steve in True Blood from yes. two thousand eight to two thousand fourteen. Thirty eight episodes. I looked on IMDb. <laughs> what was your favorite part about being on that show? Because it is such a <sighs> huge show. People are still watching it to this day, thanks to things like Netflix.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, It's crazy. Yeah, it is kind of like, I think True Blood's hitting a moment where it's sort of coming back around. And I think Mm -hmm. the people who were kids when it was originally showing are now old enough to watch it. Um, I mean, that was such a cool experience. I met so many amazing people on that show, incredibly talented people, made lifelong friends. And that's by far, Steve Newland is by far my favorite character that I've ever gotten to play. It was, it was a rare situation where I felt like it was a character that I immediately understood, immediately knew how to bring my sense of humor to it. And, and it was, it was a, it was a cool experience of playing a character long-term where the longer I played it, the more my own personality informed where the character went and what the writers did with it. So And it was just cool. I feel like he had a real arc, you know, starting as this anti-vampire, you know, minister, Mm -hmm. pastor, reverend. And then to ultimately, if you haven't seen the show, I won't spoil, but ultimately where that character goes is a real arc. And so I got to play and continue to experience and dig deep into like what makes this sort of cartoonish guy tick, you know, and it was just a wild show. There were times when you would get the script and you're like, Okay, so in this episode, we're gonna go hunt fairies. Okay, great. Like what other no. <laughs> and what yeah, what were what other world you know, and fantasy at the time hadn't really taken off the way that it has now. Think, in part, thanks to True Blood and and then Game of Thrones. So there wasn't a lot like it on on TV to compare it to at the time. I remember at the time people were like, "It's like Buffy, but with sex," you know. But sure. there was there wasn't all this other stuff in there yet. There wasn't weren't all these other cable and streamer shows that were doing similar stuff.
0: It was sort of like, because um, around that time too, when I started watching it, i just finished Vampire Diaries and it was such a big jump mm-hmm. too, because it's like, Vampire Diaries is good for, you know, teenagers and the younger audience a little bit. You know, there is still...
1: No, yeah. You don't
0: really, you don't see the sex like you do in True Blood. And then, yeah, yeah it's a big adult. You're like, oh, this is the adult version of that. All right.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, there were moments where I'm like, oh, okay. I think I'm just making softcore pornography. Uh, (laughs) But and in some cases, not I I didn't have to, but in some cases, not softcore at all, it feels like. But like, you're like, I don't know, this is this is HBO. This is wild. This is, I guess, what we're doing here. But, um, you know, it had the the great acting and writing behind it. And yeah, I, I still haven't been on anything that's been quite the cultural phenomenon that 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 show was. And it was weird to experience that because it was sort of like, I never watched, I mean, I watched the show, but I never experienced, I didn't experience the show the way that everybody else who wasn't making it experienced it, you know? Mm. So it's sort of like being on the inside of something that a lot of people are watching was was very new to me and very wild. And you, it, I could see a real difference between that and other things that I'd worked on just by the amount of people who came up to me and was like, Steve Newland, you know, you're like, oh wow, everyone is watching this show. It's crazy.
0: And you'll still get it for a while, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it must it, be it, different I definitely for do. You
0: when you rewatch it though, because you already kind of know what's coming up.
1: Yeah, I actually haven't gone back. I've I've been tempted to because it's been a while and Deborah Ann Wall and Kristen Bauer are doing a true blood podcast where they're like going back and doing every episode of the series and oh, cool. i think that would be a really fun way to re-watch it mm. and it's been long enough too that i've forgotten some stuff like i remember the big beats but i know there's going to be things where like, that's oh, the weird yeah. thing about being in this business yeah i mean if i went back and watched what i like about you now it would be so strange because there would be things that i'd be like i don't even remember the doing this <laughs> yeah. you know but like i spent a week doing this episode and now I, I i remember certain parts of it but i'm there there would be so weird to go back and be like watching a home movie and being like oh i don't remember this day happening but yeah, try to remember it your childhood <laughs> yeah
0: now, I have to bring this project up too because I love this movie. I've watched it several times and I loved your part in it. In 2010, you are in Beauty in the Briefcase with Hilary uh, Duff. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of know. those
1: things that I had no idea would have as much reach as it did. What was um, it like working yeah. with Hilary
0: Duff? She's one that I've just grown up with.
1: Yeah, she was great. I, I really genuinely loved working with her um just a really lovely person very professional very cool like that was it that was I've been lucky that in most projects I've worked on the cast is really bonded and um that's another one where we're like we hung out we filmed that in New Orleans and we would hang all hang out every night and go to dinner together and What's it's that? really makes such a difference, especially when you have to work opposite someone in, a, a, a you know, that you didn't meet. I didn't meet her during the audition process. So it was really nice to get to set and be like, OK, cool, especially since our characters ultimately have a romantic connection. Mm-hmm. It's so lovely when you're working with somebody. They're like, I really get along with this person. And that's another situation where uh, another actor on that film, Kevin Kirkpatrick, who played my like assistant in 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 the show, we became fast friends, and we're still like life. We're, we're friends still, like you know, twelve years later. He's one of my best friends, so that movie for sure holds a very fond place in my heart. And it was just one of those things that I auditioned for, and then I got, and I was like, okay. And then and a big spent, you know <laughs> yeah, and spent spent like six or seven weeks in New Orleans. And anytime you get to travel and experience a new place filming that for me that's one of the best parts of uh, about about this job you know mm. so that was a that was a special moment and it's it's one that i'm surprised i mean i guess i'm not because hillary has such a big following but i didn't expect it to have the legs that it did and i mm. st- people will still talk to me about it
0: oh, i'm glad i brought it up then
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no it's nice i like that you know
0: And it's funny, too, because when I watched that movie, obviously, you know, it's a real chick flick. So, ladies, if you haven't watched it, go check it out. (laughs) Support Michael. But also, you know, for us women, we always watch heaps of chick flicks and, you know, romantic comedies, things like that. But something I loved about that movie, especially the ending, was so different because a lot of those movies, obviously, women have their checklist and go, you know, go try to find that man. Which she obviously did, but to have yeah. that whole—I don't want to ruin it in the end—but to switch it, I was just like, "Wow, that I, I like that." You know, what was your reaction yeah. when you first read the script? In regards I mean, to that? it's
1: funny because it's funny because you're like, you start off, you're like, "Oh, I'm supposed to be the square," you know yeah, what no, I mean?
0: No one wants to be with.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I—it's so funny where you're like, "Oh, nobody wants this guy." And then, you know, where it leads, you're like, okay, it's kind of cool. I kind of get a little bit of a redemption there. Um, So I enjoy it. I I like that. I think it was, yeah. And I think it was a positive message in terms of like, look, love might not be exactly how you predict it will be on paper. Mm -hmm. And I think it does kind of warn off how, you know, for maybe some younger viewers of how, like. Hey, the the person that you think is super attractive or think is the pick may not actually be someone good for you. Mm. Um, so I liked, I did like that that lesson. Ultimately, gets you know, you, the you know the character learns that lesson in the, in, in the in the movie. But um, yeah, it was great. It was fun, and it was really fun to like have been working on True Blood, where I'm playing a very creepy guy, to then go over yeah, here and do troll? something that felt, yeah, felt felt like was in that rom-com tradition. Um, I, I, I was appreciate I I was I was I appreciated that I got to express some of that range, you mm. know,
0: was that lots of traveling? Was that New Orleans in L.A. or is it all New Orleans? It
1: was all shot in New Orleans. So we were down there for like two, two months. Uh, okay. True Blood shot out here, although we would travel to New Orleans as well. But the stuff I did in New Orleans for True Blood happened later. Oh, so. late. yeah. Okay, been been out there a couple times i guess now now for work
0: mm. well everyone go check that movie out if you haven't already and yeah. well oh, thank you for
1: the recommendation yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: yes this is just the lauren's recommendation segment of the show <laughs> you know Rave It Up now has a private Facebook group where we give away regular prizes and you get to have a sneak peek at what we're up to. You'll get to see some fun behind the scenes action and can be part of the interview process yourself, just like a real journalist. So come join us and share your passion for entertainment with all of our other fans. Just search Rave It Up community on Facebook and we look forward to getting to know. In this day and age, we're surrounded by technology and electricity all the time like our phones and laptops, phone and radio towers, Wi-Fi, electric power lines, and the appliances in our home. Do you know that these could be damaging your health because of the electromagnetic radiation coming off them? When I found effects though and bought their products, I immediately noticed a difference. I started sleeping better and was even calmer and not always high in adrenaline. OrgoneFX has over 20 years experience in developing products to neutralize the harmful effects of EMRs. I have six of their products myself now, and I could not recommend them highly enough. These products last a lifetime too, so you only have to buy them once. Go check out their website, OrgoneFXAustralia.com.au That is o-r-g-o-n-e-f-x-australia.com.au. And type in the coupon code RAVEITUP at checkout. And another cool (laughs) thing under your belt is that you've actually contributed your voice to a number of video games. Like SWAT 4, Fight Club, Men of Valor, is that how you pronounce it?
1: And yes. I've spoken
0: to a lot of people about this type of work on the show. And i I, I got to say, because like, I want to talk to you about your experience with it too. I find it really funny when you hear about these people they're talking about how they have to make these like funny noises just yes. <laughs> for lot, the video yep. games. Lot,
1: like uh, lots of like, Ugh,
0: uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> Ugh. Like it's really, and you're like pretending to like punch yourself like ah you know and then they'll be like give us a short one give us a long one give us a longer one um yeah that that was a situation (laughs) that was a situation where the first one was men of valor and i booked that and then it was the same company that kept bringing me back for other video games that they were doing and then unfortunately uh hopefully not because I was in them, but those games didn't sell well and that company like folded. But I still got all the experience doing that. Um, But that was cool. That was another situation where work begets work. And they're like, I didn't have to audition. I just started getting offers to come in because those guys really liked working with me.
0: And do you find it's a different type of acting as well? Because obviously when you're acting in front of the camera, you don't always have to be going
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it is, it's sort of like this microcosmic, you know, thing, right, where you got to zero in on these little tiny specific moments, and you might be repeating them over and over and over again in a booth. But it's still, you're still applying the same technique in terms of what's behind this, you know, what's the, what's the, you know, you're trying to find the honesty in every moment, right? Mm. So, um, sometimes they want specific, like, no, we really want it like this or this length. So there is some, like, it's a little bit technical and can be a little strange, but it's your job as an actor to put the thought behind that and put the motivation behind that and put sort of the honesty behind all of that. Um, and that I really don't think is any different from when you're filming a scene or you're doing a scene on stage. Mm, um, I guess the, you're just the way not really
0: it's recording off anything. Though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's just the way that you're it's the way that the performance is constructed is definitely different. And you are just becoming sort of part of, well, I guess filmmaking is also the same way. You're ultimately becoming part of a larger vision. But um, but it's still your job as an actor, I think, to put that intention b- behind it. You know, so I was using a lot of um, the same muscles, just in different different ways, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people are never going to play video games the same way again now. <laughs> They'll just be like, yeah. oh, yes, that's what yeah. Michael was talking <sighs> about.
1: Yeah. yeah, all of those, all those reactions and alt lines and, you know, and now, to to, yeah, and now, like, they're basically making movies with these because it's all mocap and everything else. So it's really the video game world is definitely getting much closer to obviously the film, the film world, film and TV world.
0: Oh, of course. You know, we're having a lot more, as you said, motion capture stuff and animation and it's all under the same umbrella anyway, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) So I I would love to go back to talk about, you know, you were talking about those comic books before and how that you're a writer. So you co-wrote a book for the lovely True Blood fans, if they're listening today called True Blood, A Field Guide to Vampires. As That's well right. as a comic book miniseries called, is it Lucid? Did I pronounce that right?
1: Yeah, Lucid. Uh,
0: yes. It looks really cool. Yeah. And I, I'm definitely, I'm going to read it after this because I didn't have time. Oh, cool. I was just like, I did uh, no worries. Put all the effort into you, the research, you, but it looked, have done all, yeah. the yeah.
1: <laughs> There's like 18 years of research that you don't have to put yourself through, <laughs> you oh, know?
0: It, it's actually one of my favorite parts of doing this job. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I love to come in and ask you questions. Hopefully you haven't been asked before. So... <laughs> What type of writing do you think you takes the most time and the most energy out of you? Because you also have written for TV as well in like short films. Yeah,
1: a little bit of TV, short films, and then uh, like a lot of stuff no one's ever seen because it's either not gotten made or it hasn't been made yet. I'll it um, for you. <laughs> thank you, I appreciate that. Um, I don't know, it's different. So the question was, wh- Uh, Sorry repeat the question for me please
0: What type of writing do you think takes the most time And takes the most energy out of you
1: It's It differs you know what I mean Like for comic books and I was for a while I was doing the True Blood Ongoing comic book for IDW And that's deadline based You know what I mean so you're like I need to be Turning in a script every You know every few weeks so I would say that Took a lot of energy out of me But wasn't super time consuming, you know, cause you'd be just moving from one issue to the next. And then you're like, all right, and, you know, and, and you're, I mean, it is time consuming. You're looking at the art coming in and you're re- rereading stuff that you've written and catching mistakes of which I always have so many. Um, I really require a good copy editor. Um, I wish someone could do that for my texting as well. I'm just like type, 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 send, type, 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 send. And then it's like, who wrote like, this? What,
0: what was this supposed <laughs> Drunk, to be, Michael?
1: Drunk. <laughs> penguin typed this it's it's indecipherable um but then like i'm working on a screenplay right now that i'm writing with a partner and it's it's not taking a lot of energy um just because it's one of the things that we've kind of been working on in our spare time um but we started breaking story for this almost a year ago so it is in that sense it's very time consuming right and we're just coming to the end of a draft that we feel is good enough to share with other people and get some feedback on so by the time we're sending that out to a couple friends to read for us i think about a year will have gone by since we sat down and had our first conversation about what what this script would become wow you know so it's it, it, it different it, it differs. Yeah. And, and if you're working on a deadline, then I think the more e- more energy it takes out of you um, and sort of left to your devices, if you're like me, unless you're really prolific, which I'm not, um, you know, you, you might be spending, uh, you know, a year on a project. I have scripts that I've written that are three or four years old that I still kind of come back to and go, OK, what could I, you know, is there anything I could do here to punch this up or maybe change this? Um Yeah. So it just depends, I think.
0: And with Lucid as well, how did that all come about? Because have you just grown up with comic books? Because you did mention, you know, about the comic books earlier in the interview as well.
1: Yeah. Lucid was one of those situations. Yeah. Yeah. And Lucid was one where that actually came about because Zach Quinto, who I'm sure your listeners will know, he got his start on Heroes, played Spock in the new J.J. Abrams, Star Trek, was a Nosferatu, um, he, I went to college with Zach at Carnegie Mellon and uh, I was, he was a senior actually when I was a freshman and then a couple other Carnegie Mellon friends. Uh, this just want to let everybody know that I'm younger than him. No, uh, <laughs> but the, he and a couple of other friends from from college after Zach did the first Star Trek reboot, they put together a production company and part of that in, entailed in terms of like putting out pitching TV and film projects, they also created a couple graphic novels and comics. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to come in and pitch them some ideas. And Lucid was one of them. And it went through a process. It started as one thing and sort of became another thing. Um, And we shopped it around and then eventually took a meeting with Arkea, which is now part of Boom Studios. Uh, and, and that's how that project came about, you know, um, without Zach's help or Zach's name, I'm not sure that that would have, would have happened. So it was sort of like one of those nice opportunities, uh, about who, you know, and in the business and Mm -hmm. getting some ideas kind of pushed in front of others. Um, and then, so I did that and then that kind of led to doing the True Blood comics, and then re- co-writing the book with Gianna for the, you know, Steve Newland's uh, Field Guide to Vampires. And then most re- and then I did some stuff for DC and I created a comic book called Adventure Van for Golden Apple when they launched a book line. And I've been kind of quiet in the comic book world for a little bit. Adventure Van was fairly recent, but I kind of sort of stepped back and, you know, I enjoy it, but it, I, I kind of hit a point where I was like, I'm sort of, putting I, i'm sort of like i got the podcast i got the comics i got the auditions i've got i was like i need all to I like <laughs> yeah i felt a little all, all over the place and um so i've sort of refocused and just instead of having six pots to stir it at all times i'm trying to have like maybe two or three pots to to <laughs> yeah. stir you know and a
0: little bit more manageable I find yeah, it funny that you like I, just casually drop. Yeah, yeah, starting for DC too. What, what was that?
1: <laughs> well, I did I did a a talent development workshop with them with a bunch <laughs> of other really good writers who are really prominent comic book writers now and, and authors like uh um but um it was a thing where I'd i taken meetings with DC when Lucid came out and then um I got brought in to do sort of this workshop that was taught by uh, Scott Snyder who's the who's a big Batman writer mm. and um it was sort of like taking a master class in comic book writing and then that led to a few opportunities at DC where you know I did like an issue of Nightwing and did a Superman short story and then I pitched oh. a bunch and was developing some other stuff that just ended up not going anywhere and that's the other thing too about the writing world uh, is so much stuff kind of lingers in development for a long time. um and and so I uh, yeah, so that was great because that was the first time I got to like dig in and play with superheroes. And that was that was amazing. That was also like meeting uh childhood friends, you know, or like childhood <laughs> idols, you know, getting to write like the flash, you know, Wally West, the flash who was like my, one of my favorite comic books growing up uh, was, was awesome, you know? So I think I'm not done with comics, but I just, I I have consciously kind of taken a step back just to focus on a little bit of some other projects for the time being. Mm.
0: Just put on the back burner for now. We'll come back to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Why not? You know, I don't know nothing, you know, you never stop doing these things in this business. You know what (laughs) I mean? Nothing's ever you know, even with acting, there are times when I'm like, oh, it's been uh, nine months since my last job. What have I been doing this whole time? You know, mm-hmm. time so goes I th- yeah, it's weird. I think the thing about acting that's difficult is, you know, you have really busy periods and then you have really slow periods. And it's one of the few jobs where uh, unless you are just and I'm sure like for movie stars and big stars or people who are like the lead on, um, you know, shows that have been going for seven years. For me personally, more often than not, I'm acting, I'm on set way fewer days during the year than I'm, than I, than, I, than not, you know what I mean? So I have a lot, I have a lot of, uh, I'm in this weird position where like I make a living at it and I don't need a day job, but it, but I'm, I'm, I work at the level where like I have a lot of free time, yes. which is a blessing and a curse, you know, cause I can't think of a lot of other jobs that people want to do and love to do. Like I love acting where I'm not on set as much as I, as I'd like to be, you know? Um, and that I think is for a lot of working actors. I think that's the reality, you know, where you're just like, Spending so much time trying to figure out all right, how am I gonna get back on set? You know? Yeah. Um, it's tough. It can, and that can be the hard part of this, you know. You know, it's just being like, I'm sure you've spoken with other actors, you're like, I don't know, I don't know where my next job's coming from. And then suddenly one day it just happens. You're like, okay, cool. I true. guess it's I haven't like lost to, it.
0: Ever off to every gig, you're like unemployed for a little bit. Especially if mm-hmm. you know, you're really stressing about money to pay the bills and you have nothing else on the side. Yeah, yeah. It's really stressful. But it's
1: what it is you, it's wild. Great. Every
0: every every day of your life is different, which you, you <laughs> see you're passionate about. <laughs> you're doing all no, things.
1: J- Yeah, thank you. And it's true. And I think that's one of those things that I have to times when I get frustrated, I have to be like, Hey, remember to be grateful you know, I have friends who do not like their day jobs and don't want to be doing them. So the fact that like, I really get to basically set my own schedule and be a freelancer and be self-employed is that in of itself, I think is a huge accomplishment that I have to like stop and remind myself, you know, yeah. um, because you get so, I think you're so indoctrinated as a young actor about with this, these concepts of like what success is. And it, it, you have to, you know, like it's, it's, it's being famous or it's being a movie star or it's winning an Oscar or winning an Emmy, these sort of the the tokenism of what success in this business is when most of it, most of the people that are working in this industry are, are working at a much uh, I don't want to say lower level, but are working at it. Not, they're not in the spotlight as much, you know what I mean? And it Mm. is this, constant grind that you have to do and and keep yourself excited about you know and i think you have to like toss some toss away some of those concepts of like oh success lo- only looks like this you know it all i all you know i think a lot of people are like and i feel this way it's like i don't know when i'm when i've made it when have i made it you know you mm-hmm. get, you hear this concept of like making it Well, what is that? Or do you, you know, is it, is, do you, is it being able to sustain a life doing the thing that you love? Isn't that enough? Or is it, no, it's when I'm holding an Oscar and I'm giving an an acceptance speech, that's making it, you know, I think we have to sort of, as actors and artists, you have to sort of like check yourself and go, okay, what, what, what's the, what's the real goal here? You know?
0: It's very true. I think just being your own boss and making your own schedule that to me is success. Yeah, I love that fact I think, too. I'm like, whoa, I can do an interview here. I can have some time off, you know, it's great lifestyle. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. But I think you're always chasing that bigger thing. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But if I, but this is just temporary, it's going to be like, I'll really be happy when I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Cause we all have goals professionally, no matter what we're doing, where we're like, all right, this is cool, but I want to get out of this room and I want to get to the next, floor. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, Goals are and so good, I but you also you're... want
0: to be happy where you are right now.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and accept that like, hey, success looks different for everybody. And whatever you're doing, especially in Hollywood, is never permanent. None of it's permanent. True Blood, not a permanent job. Right? Beating the briefcase, not a permanent job. So you also learn that for anyone, for anyone involved in that show. So you have to learn like this is awesome. Enjoy this right now because it will end. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So to get as much out of it as you can right now.
0: Mm, bit of a reality check.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's but I think it's an important one because that's just the way the the nature of the business, you know what I mean? Uh, you are like eat. One day, The Simpsons will end. Believe it or not, you know I what know. I mean. How that
0: been going now? <laughs> I
1: know, but it it no job, no job in this industry is permanent. You know, mm. you may have ten great years playing a really cool, a dream role, but those all eventually come to an end because it's the nature of stories. Stories have a beginning and a middle and an end, and then. You're off, you know, off yeah, to something life, else. Exactly, whether hopefully. you're an actor yeah. or
0: not, life has its different stages, you know.
1: Yes, exactly. Coming
0: and going too in normal life, and you know, sometimes relationships end. So it's just yes, it's just life, isn't it?
1: It is, and I, I think,
0: but you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> no, I, but I, but I don't think it is depressing. I think that's a that's the beautiful thing, and I think Changes that that's. Lead change is good and change is natural. You know what I mean? Sometimes some change sucks, but change is natural and nothing is supposed to stay the same. And I actually think there's a direct correlation as a metaphor there for as an living the actor's life and, 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 and realizing that that as a teachable metaphor for life in general, like you just explained, you know, and I think that's good. It's good to become aware of like the the natural shifting state of things you know
0: mm, absolutely I love talking to you it's been a, such a pleasure I'm just like oh my oh, god thanks. I can't believe you we've too. been speaking for an hour and I haven't even like talked this about man keeps ram-
1: rambling on
0: <laughs> I know I'm like geez I better get to the podcast stuff I hope you're not in a rush <laughs> <laughs> can we keep no, chatting no, is that all good, good? All right. Yeah, this is
1: why all my podcast episodes run over an hour, because I just keep talking.
0: No, I love it. That's so much better than some, you know, guests that you're just like, oh my God, I gotta <laughs> pull teeth, you know? <laughs>
1: right, right. Yes, I've been there.
0: So let's talk about your podcast side of your life, because you are still Great. doing a very successful paranormal podcast with your yes, pal, thank you. who played yes. uh, Detective Wilden on Pretty Little Liars. Yes, pal, Mr. Bryce, Bryce Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> Uh, yeah. called the you mentioned it before the bigfoot collectors club go check it out if you haven't already guys how did this all come about how did you two originally meet i don't even think i asked bryce that originally well and have you experienced bryce, any paranormal activity yourself
1: oh gosh well that's i'm gonna need a couple more hours for that one. yeah Bryce, that listen to the very first episode of bigfoot collectors club to answer that question Qu- quick answer is like yes i've seen some weird stuff um, saw Ghost in Interlochen, for example, in a theater. Wow. Definitely saw it. A friend of mine saw it as well. I tell that story on the podcast. Um,
0: Bryce actually he forgets out now.
1: <laughs> Bryce told this story, but he always forgets a crucial part because he didn't remember me. But when I was on What I Like About You, I wrote an episode of the show, and he was a guest star on that episode. So I was in the room when we cast him. And I always remembered him after that episode and he'd pop up on TV, like you talked about in in your interview with him. I'd be like, oh, that's Bryce. I remember this guy. I love this guy. And um, he popped up on uh, in Willow Creek, which is a Bigfoot found footage horror film directed by Bobcat It's Great, really well done, low budget um, found footage horror movie. It's better than... That's better than the Blair Witch Project, um, and Bryce does a really great job in it. And it's so funny because I watched that, and a week later, I was on set as in a guest star for a show called Major Crimes that was on TNT out here at the time. And lo and behold, uh, Bryce was guesting on the show as well, and we had we worked a lot together that week, and I was like. I reintroduced myself he didn't remember me from what I like about you that's fine I was a writer of the show it's not like I was there the whole week and um and then I was like I just watched Willow Creek you were so great in that he's like oh no way man and I was like yeah and I was like I was like I'm really into that Bigfoot stuff are you into that stuff he's like oh dude You have no idea. When Bobcat cast me in this, I was like, you got the right guy, man. And so we just would sit in our cast chairs and tell, you know, paranormal stories. And that led to a friendship. And every six months Bryce and I would get together, go out to lunch, and we would spend maybe 10, 15 minutes talking shop. And then we'd always end up talking about some paranormal thing. Mm. And I'd been wanting to do a podcast for a while uh, and it hit me one day, I was like, oh, well, Bryce and I should just do a paranormal show together. And, uh, you know, I don't think he'd really considered doing podcasts before, but I quickly got him around to that idea. And then almost immediately we found our on mic producer, Riley Bray, who's also a brilliant musician. Um, and he's now really become the third host of the show. And we've been, you know, we're in our fifth year doing it, you know. um,
0: Yeah, I had to look it up. I was like, are they still doing it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, we haven't stopped. We haven't. We took a a little break break last fall for a couple months just to catch a breather after four years. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also have a Patreon, BCC, the other side. So we're like dropping additional content over there. So it's been, it's been great. It's been fun. And I think the thing that I really enjoy about doing a podcast is even though we're on a network uh, campfire media, like we started doing it on our own and it's one of the few things I'm, I know you can relate to this (laughs) where no one, no, the only thing that's stopping you from putting a podcast out there is like, you know, getting a good mic, getting a good microphone or something, you know, because you can just record it on your laptop and put it up on Podbean or Anchor or wherever, and it's out there, you know. And we it was one of those things where, like, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, other than what I knew I wanted the show to be. And I just kind of learned as I went, like, oh, I should have done this earlier on or that earlier on. You kind of learn to produce as you go, as I know you know. <laughs> and so I also decided after four years of doing that, I was like, I want to make another one. And I kind of want to take everything that I learned doing Bigfoot Collectors Club and apply it to a new show that I'm doing called Slate Your Name, where it's very similar to this situation where it is me talking to other actors about the ups and downs of the entertainment industry. and, And with a lot of emphasis on early jobs, getting your start. I even go through their IMDb and pick some early roles and, and like, okay, this character, Samantha, where did you play this? Yes. Um, and then get some of those Black stories under. behind. Yeah. Some of those stories behind their early, early roles. So if you're a fan of rave it up, you'll probably like slate your name. Yes. Cause it's, it you know, out. it's, it's very inside baseball for, for Hollywood. Yeah. It's Absolutely. fun. So.
0: Hey, if you need this interview and have a whole episode about you, Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: great. Yeah, and and that that I just launched like a month ago, so it's real easy to catch up right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, I love, so it's love great. Love the idea
0: of the whole podcast. You know, as a, on your email with <laughs> with my talent producer, I was just like I was rereading it over it, over it, and I was like. Yes, I love this idea for this show because I was like that is so similar to rave it up and what we're all about yeah. finding out how you how you got to where you are today because it's something yeah. a lot of people don't ask you know once you've uh, we we're talking about the whole made it thing people just like, oh yeah, yeah. it just magically happened it happened overnight it doesn't
1: no <laughs> any no, overnight no, my...
0: successes it's like 10 years behind it. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. I I have a friend, uh Sean Hader, who just won an Academy Award for uh Coda, who she directed, she she adapted and directed Coda, and which is an amazing movie. And Sean was in one of my very first movies, Dorian Blues, and she'd also gone to Carnegie. She was in Zach's class. Um, and I didn't know her very well at college, but then we worked together on this film, and I I remember you know, her starting to get into filmmaking and going to the AFI women's program and writing her first scripts. And, and, you know, this was 18 years ago, you know what I mean? And here she is winning an Academy Award. And some people who may have not seen her first film, mother may not know, you know, or might just think, oh, this just happened overnight for her. She's been putting in the work for so long and it was so cool to see her win um win this year it was just incredible you know Mm -hmm. and it's inspiring to me it's like all right look Sean has just been putting in the work and doing good work and being passionate about it and um you know it does take talent and she's got it um but it it was so inspiring yeah yeah it's like you got look look hard work really does pay off you Absolutely. know it's so so exciting uh to see people that you root for you know make it let in that make it but you know achieve yeah. make that kind I'll of achievement and yeah and just get just watch them be rewarded or you know for their hard work is so cool so cool
0: Well, mm. so i have one last question about the podcast as well because yes
1: Sorry, yeah, I went off on a tangent there.
0: No, that's all right. You obviously do slate your name by yourself and Bigfoot Collector's Club you do with Bryce and you got a whole team behind that as well. Do you find it's easier to do it by yourself because you've been doing Bigfoot Collector's Club for a while with someone else. Do you guys ever butt heads on where you want the podcast to go in the future? We, new ideas? No, not,
1: not really. I mean, I think like, I mean, it's always a discussion with the guys on Bigfoot of like, okay, we're what are we going to do this summer? Are we going to do another wet, hot alien summer where we only talk about UFOs or are we going to do something else? And it is difficult at times, especially now, like during COVID, um, being in lockdown, it was like when we had so much time to kill, it was, you know, I think we did some of our best work on the podcast. And one end, it sucked because, we weren't all together in the studio the way we had been and we were doing it online like this, even if we were in the same town. But um, I also think like it opened up a lot of creative space to get creative and try new things with the show. Um, And now that we're kind of back, uh, Riley's got a new job. He's working. Bryce has been filming stuff. I've been doing stuff. So getting everyone together Getting, getting three the three of us together on the same night, and then usually a, a fourth in the form of a guest. The scheduling has become very difficult, and that's such a boring answer to that question.
0: No, it's true.
1: Yeah, and, but... Uh, that's easier when it's just me and one other person for slate your name. And there is a producer, a silent producer on the show. He's not on Mike, a uh, Ryan counts house, but I can record it without him. If I need to, he just, you know, he, he can just edit if if that's what I need him to do. So it's different. It's also an opportunity I think to like, cause when you are doing a group show, there's, there's your voice, but it's, it's always going to balance out with, with Riley's voice and what Bryce brings to the table and all of that. So, bigfoot even though it's, I had a singular vision for what it I wanted it to be at the beginning it's very close to that but it's become its own thing so with slate your name I feel like I have a little bit more of a creative control to be like okay this is my voice and this is what I I want to do with the show and it's a little bit more edited it's you know I try to make it a little bit tighter it's a little shorter um and these are all things that again that I'm taking from learning from Bigfoot and applying it to a new show. It's like, all right, if I could even be more precise and a little bit more direct and a little more focused um, with a podcast, uh, you know, which I think all the things that the, 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 those things don't make Bigfoot collectors club good. You know what I mean? It's sort of when the show goes off the rails that I think are some of our best episodes. Um, But yeah, so just, it's, it's fun to go, okay. Being sort of the, the sole author of this show what is it what's my voice in 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 that you know
0: Mm. what you in some ways feels more personal
1: too thanks thanks I appreciate that yeah Yeah. thank you
0: everyone go check it out both of them whether you're into paranormal activity or not big four collectors club is still a great show right so
1: thanks that's the idea I mean I think like you don't have to be into this stuff it's uh to to get in to enjoy the show you know what i mean
0: come in open-minded learn something it might be
1: better if yeah it might be better if you don't because you're like what weird story are they telling Mm. what is this and then you'll get like we'll interview actors and comedians and writers about their own weird experiences that they can't explain so yeah i think it's i think it's sorry (laughs) no i was just saying i think it's very accessible
0: yeah absolutely I've been trying to get my dad into it too because he's really into the paranormal <laughs> stuff he like watches oh all right show. yeah he'll always tape on on his TV and want to watch all the different you know um, paranormal shows out there and I'm just like yeah I'm gonna love this show go watch go listen to it
1: <laughs> he's like ah I'm not a podcast guy. is he just not into podcasts uh-
0: I think because he's just like, oh, I just got to find time, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. When you're in the garden, just chuck your headphones in, you know? That's what I do. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Well, Well, thanks, I appreciate
1: you you trying to fight, fight, get me one more audience member. I appreciate that. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) Well, he listens to me, so I'm like, come on, you can expand it as well if you want. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Branch out a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully after listening to this one, he might want to go check it out now. There you go. But good luck with the rest of, However long you're gonna do the show, good luck Thanks. in the future episodes. I know, episodes. right? <laughs>
1: There's what no else? end in sight right now.
0: <laughs> I know. Is there anything else you're working on that you'd love to tell us about? Stuff we can look for uh, in the future?
1: Stuff I've got, well, stuff that I probably can't say. I'm, I'm gonna be on another cool show, at least uh, uh, briefly, at least for like one episode, that'll be probably, I think this summer. Cool. Um, so follow me on Instagram at McMill's and all announced stuff. Then I'm going to go shoot a really fun, uh, movie, uh, indie comedy, um, called, well, maybe I'm not even allowed to say that, but, um, yeah, I'm about That's to go right. shoot something that I'm, I'm about to go Instagram. shoot something in May that I'm really excited about. And I think it's a really fun character. So, um, yeah, follow me at McMill's two Z's and, I'll, I'll keep you guys updated about all that stuff
0: it's good to see yeah some uh, more honestly it's coming up
1: <laughs> thanks yeah but in the meantime listen to bigfoot collectors club and slate your name it i i put my heart and soul in those shows and i it, I, I really love uh interaction with listeners and stuff like that so i appreciate you guys checking it out and they're free you can watch, yep. listen to them for free
0: Exactly. on your favorite
1: podcast app But yeah. if you
0: want to further support them go to patreon <laughs> yes yeah
1: we have patreons for both but you know <laughs> exactly. just come listen to the main show and if you're into it then we can discuss but then we just you can know. discuss
0: i like that yeah Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well everyone go follow him on instagram and even though you couldn't mention those projects today it just means you're gonna have to come back on michael and tell us all about right. it when it's time <laughs> yeah yeah <exactly>. Yay! <laughs> Well, I know I've taken up enough of your time. I was like, oh, I want oh, to play no, a game as well. No, maybe next time. We'll play a game next time. And next you can time. Set okay. the bar nice and high for Bryce because it's a good competitive game. Really oh, yeah.
1: Fun. Maybe you yeah. can have us both on. We'll play a game. Bryce and I can play the game. Oh,
0: my God. Yes, that would be amazing. Other. Yes, I would love that. But as you said, it's sort of about figuring out the timing. <laughs> figuring yeah. out when you're both
1: free. <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe after your next you know, gig in, in May. So.
1: Okay. Sounds good. I did want to
0: finish up with our very famous question here on Rave It Up, a bit of a closing statement. (laughs) You kind of already know what's coming, don't you? (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, knowing what you know now, Michael, what would you tell your 14-year-old self?
1: Um, I would say I probably echo some of the stuff that I said earlier about like, you know, every nothing's permanent. Mm. No no job is permanent, no moment in life is permanent. So when things get hard, keep that in mind. And when things are good, keep that in mind as well and make sure that you enjoy that moment. And I would just tell him, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Maybe, you know, don't, you know, don't slack. Keep keep working hard and just keep 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 the faith and keep doing it and, you know you'll you're gonna like you're gonna like where you end up you know what i mean mm, <laughs> like absolutely i think i i've thought about that a couple times like if 15 year old me saw what i'm doing now i can tell he'd be like wait what you're not <laughs> like, you know that's... this hasn't happened yet but they'd still be like oh this is pretty cool so you're doing it you're doing it right mm. um so yeah i just be like you know uh, just enjoy it enjoy it and live in the moment as much as possible
0: Mm, i love that answer thank you we put the answers to a lot of those questions in the book behind me uh was it lot lo- no lo- not last year the year before oh my goodness time's flying by
1: i, I know feel like we'll little, i feel like we <laughs> i feel like the last two years count as one year anyway so exactly it's
0: fine. it just doesn't count we didn't we didn't grow yeah. two years older because it just didn't happen
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly
0: well, thank you so much for coming on the show today michael thank i you. really appreciate your time it's been so much fun
1: yes i had a great time thank you so much
0: you're welcome and come back on the show anytime all right if you want to chat yeah. about anything or promote i mean you say that but job.
1: you might regret if i'm on every episode of your show just taking up all this it. all the spotlight i don't know
0: about, <laughs> okay. the, about the audience i hope and, they. yeah do it. i don't
1: know the audience may not a... be like this is it i like it was fine he was here once but you know uh, she said come back anytime and he it. really took her seriously <laughs> on that that's very weird <laughs>
0: No, you've like given some really good answers. I think you helped a lot of people today that are listening and might want to get into acting or writing comic books or any of the amazing things you do there's heaps
1: <laughs> well and i will say this not to go back and now actually plug the slate your name patreon but on the green room which is the patreon slate your name i take questions directly and we do there's a lot of like advice told out there so if that's yeah. your thing then consider you know joining the patreon for five dollars a month and you know i'm and giving you my honest there. career advice so yeah definitely
0: Yes, he's definitely very honest. <laughs> and hopefully in the future, I don't. Oh, I know traveling is a bit s- starting to kind of pick up again. But yep. if you ever come to Australia, let me know, okay? Would You'll love be to the have first you.
1: person I call.
0: Yes, good. We can do a face-to-face interview
1: in person. Great. we we'll would love that. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> but Great. yeah,
0: let's keep in contact. It's been so much fun. We'll get Bryce on next time. Sounds good.
1: Yeah, I think so too. That's good. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening. If you want to be the first to get every new episode, remember to subscribe to this podcast for free. Just search for Rave It Up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share it with your friends.